All right, now, I said last time, I'm, not, I'm just give you a little review, but we talked about how we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We found that in chapter 1. That's a great truth in the Bible. Then in chapter 2, we find that salvation is by grace through faith. That's what the Scripture tells us. And then in chapter 3, we see that Christ is to receive glory in the church. In other words, me and you aren't to receive glory. Christ is to receive glory. That's who's to receive glory. Then we find in Ephesians chapter 4, the seven ones. And there's seven little things. There, there are one thing of each of those. And anyway, we went through them. There's one body and there's one spirit and one hope, and one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, it says. And anyway, we talked a little bit about those. And then tonight in chapter 5, we see in verse 16 that we need to redeem the time. Look in verse 16. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And so we need to be careful and we need to redeem the time. To redeem something is to pay for it, to get it, to buy it back is what it means. And so often... We waste time. Most people are time wasters. They just waste time all the time. And I mean, every now and then it feels good to waste a little time. But you got to be careful about wasting time. One of those old men back in the 17 or 18, I think it might have been Benjamin Franklin or one of them, he said, don't waste time. He said, that's what life is made of, is time. You know, you got to be careful. That's all you have is time, and you better use it wisely. But we're to redeem the time. And one reason we're to redeem the time is because life is short and time is short. You're only here for a little bit. People get thinking, well, I'm here a long time. Hold your place and go back to the left of Romans chapter 13. We're only here for a short time. I think Brother Luke's having a birthday today. Done about over. And I think Brother Herschel had one a couple days ago. About right. So anyway... And they'll turn around and they'll be having another one. Romans 13. <laughs> they go by quick. And I bet it doesn't seem like that long ago that they could look back and say they were kids. It's like, kids? Well, yeah. That's just how it is. It goes quick. And my daddy tells me the older I get, the faster it's going to go. And so far, he's right. <laughs> but he said, you hadn't seen nothing yet. So he said... <laughs> He said, at your age, he said, it's really going to pick up. And he said, boy, the kids get grown and kids get out. And man, he said, it goes by fast. And he said, I look back and he said, I don't think I ought to be this old. But he said, I am. Here we are, you know. Romans chapter number 13. Romans chapter number 13 and verse 11. He says, and that knowing the time that is now high time, to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Notice this, and knowing, and that knowing the time. You ought to know the time. You ought to realize time's short. We don't have much of it. And it's high time to wake out of sleep. High time means exactly time. Back in the old days, they had those um, westerns, and they had, well, they had gunfighters, you know. And they'd say, We're gonna, I want you to meet at high noon. And we're going to have a gunfight. High noon. You say, what's that mean? Exactly noon. Not a minute after. Right then. As a matter of fact, they had a movie called High Noon with Gary Cooper in it. And he was married to, or marrying Grace Kelly. And she was a whole lot younger than him. And everybody, well, that's how it was. But, and Gary Cooper is one of my favorite actors of all time. 
and there they were, and at high noon, he had to go to a gunfight. At high noon, is when it, and that was the name of it. And anyway, it's a very famous movie. I think it won an Oscar or something. But anyway, here you are, and you've got this, and it says it's high time to wake up sleep. You say, what's that mean? It's exactly time. It's time for Christians to wake up. We need to wake up and realize, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Time's wrapping up. The Lord's coming back. We better get ready. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. If you're ever going to get rid of those things that are dragging you down, now's the time to do it and to put on the things that you ought to be putting on to serve God. Then he says, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting. Boy, they could hear that around the country, couldn't they? And drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And so we've got to be careful. We've got to realize now it's exactly time. It's high time. And he says, redeeming the time. And I preached a message on that some time ago because time is short. We need to redeem it. So back there in Ephesians 5, or Ephesians, you know, Ephesians 5, he says, redeeming the time. And he says this, because the days are evil. Indicates the Lord's coming back soon. Time, the days are evil. We're living in a wicked time. In our country, it's the most wicked time our country's ever seen since its inception. There's never been a time in America like it is right now. And it's craziness is what it is going on. It's really sad to see it. But you know what? There's still some good Christian people. And we need to continue to do right. Even if the whole world does wrong, we've got to do right. And God will bless us for doing right. They're having to fight that um, library over there in Craighead County in Jonesboro downtown. They're putting pornography in the children's section. So kids can just grab it off the shelf and look at it. Let me tell you something. You're a wicked person if you do something like that. Why in the world would somebody do that to hurt a kid? And then they're having transvestites, that's what I call them, they're having them come and they're having reading time with children. Man, that's no place for something like that. And the thing is, they're pushing sexuality on children instead of letting children just be kids. Why would you push? I had a, a guy tell me, he said, I guess, he said, he said, I guess when you was a little boy, you liked girls and stuff. I just, I didn't like girls. I like playing in the dirt. That's what I like. <laughs> I didn't like nothing. I liked playing as a kid is what I was. I like playing in the dirt and digging and getting dirty. And I had trucks and backhoes and combines and, I mean, little toys. And, I mean, I was running. We didn't even play inside. We didn't have video games. We played outside in the dirt is what we did. And we come in, you know. That's, but now it's, it's so crazy how things are. But anyway, it's amazing that even in northeast Arkansas, which is a pretty conservative place where people still Many people still go to church and love the Lord and try to do right, that you can have something right there in the middle. And that tells you that the, the minority of the people, the people that aren't right, are controlling something like that. And what a shame that is. It shouldn't be that way. Shouldn't. And what they ought to do is defund that place. And, I mean, if you're going to do that to kids, I mean, to me, that's child abuse. That's what that is. You don't do stuff to little children. And the Lord says, if you hurt a child, you'd be better off with a millstone hanged around your neck in the bottom of the sea. In other words, be in the ocean with concrete boots on is what he's saying. <laughs> I mean, he says, you don't hurt little children. You be careful with them. And little children are so impressionable, and they need to be cared for. They really do. That's why I think a, a teacher is so important. And we've got lots of teachers. We've got teachers at Walnut Ridge, and we've got 
the people working at the Hoxie schools, we've got them in Pocahontas schools, West Side schools. What other schools do we have? Other schools. Anyway, we've got people in all these schools around, and they come to our church. And such an important time in a child's life is those teachers. And I really believe that teachers are a lot like nurses and doctors. I think God puts certain people to be nurses and things because they're so important. I mean, they really... You say, well, I don't seem that important to me. It would if you got sick. <laughs> yeah, they're very important. It's like a lifeline is what it is. Well, teachers are that way too. And thank God for godly teachers that love children. And we got a lot of them, and I'm glad that we do. But you know, not everywhere, you're not everywhere in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas. You got all kinds of places that are wicked places, what they're doing. And it's a shame that it's that way. I'll drop Sadie and them off up there at school or going where Mary's at and all that and, and watch those teachers work. And I say, you know what, they're doing a good job. They really care for those kids and watch over them, and, and you've got to thank God for that. And I believe that most teachers in our area, I don't believe it up in some places, I believe they try to do right by those kids. I really do. And so I can go back to when I was a kid, and I can think about teachers that made a difference and an impact on my life. And so there, and there's other people, that, you know, so that's a big deal. Big deal. we got to redeem the time. You say, why? Because the days are evil. Our kids are under attack. They need a safe haven, a place where they, they can be, everything's okay. And just, you know, where they don't have to be threatened and those kind of things. But anyway, when I was a kid, a kid could walk down the street and nobody bother them. I wouldn't see my kids walking down the street now. You better be careful. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so we've got to redeem the time. We've got to keep serving the Lord's what we've got to do. And so redeem the time. The Lord's coming back. As he comes back, things are going to get worse. We've got to keep on doing right. Keep doing right. And you know what a good thing to do? Let's get people in church. Let them learn about the Lord and help them do right. That's a good thing to do. People need to be in church serving God. And then let's look in chapter 6. Here's a big one. In chapter 6, we find something else. We find that we must put on the whole armor of God. Look in verse 10. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole, not part of it, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, the wiles is a trick. The devil's real good at tricking people. And he's real good at, you know, getting people to step in his trap, so to speak. And so if you put on the whole armor of God, you can withstand those kind of things. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So I just don't believe in all that. Well, the Bible teaches it. And you get in church and serve the Lord, you'll believe in it. You can mark that down. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take in the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. 
So you look down through here and he tells you we've got to put on the whole armor of God because the devil's real and the devil's coming after you. And as a Christian, you better get armored up is what you better do. You don't send a soldier to battle and don't give him any, any armor or any weapons. You've got to have some armor. You say, well, what's our weapon? Your weapon's a sword. It's the Word of God. Most people don't even know their weapons. We ought to spend time with our weapon, learning about it. I've talked to a lot of these guys that's been in the military. Both of my brother-in-laws have been in there, Elizabeth's younger brothers. And I talked to them, and, they, and Brandon, her middle brother, would tell me, he said, yeah, he said, they would send us out in the middle of nowhere with just our weapon, and we'd have to be able to take that thing apart and put it back together. He said, we had to know every little piece of that thing. He said, we knew everything about it. He said, it would be dark. He said, we couldn't even see, and we had to be able to take it apart and put it back together. He said, we had to understand that. And, and he said, if you ever lost that weapon and got rid of it, using it's over. You don't, you don't, that, that's issued to you, and you keep it. Well, let me tell you, God's issued a, you a sword, a Bible. And you ought to hang on to it. And you ought to go with it. And you ought to be able to open it up. And you ought to be able to find the books. And you ought to be able to learn things about it. And you ought to know things about it. And you don't open it up and clean it. You open it up and it cleans you. And so it's just the opposite of that. But it is a weapon. It's, it's something that we've got. It's the only offensive thing that you have. Talking about an offensive weapon. Everything else is for defense in the Christian faith is the word of God. But then... Most people don't even exercise this. In the military, they can call headquarters. Man, they can get on there and they're whatever they got, and they can call headquarters, and they have satellite phones and all kinds of different things. Well, you can call headquarters, and you don't need a satellite phone. You can pray to the Lord no matter where you're at. At any time, you can pray to Him, and you can talk to Him. So we've got somebody to help us on our side. And then the Bible talks about having your feet right and having, your, having a shield of faith and having the helmet of salvation and all those things. I think people forget who they're wrestling against. We're wrestling. We're in a fight is what that means. I mean, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're fighting spiritual things. You ever wonder why it is on a Sunday morning? It's not like any other day. But on Sunday morning, it, it would feel so good just sleep in and not go to church. But you can get up for work. And on Sunday morning, you and your spouse get into it. You wouldn't get into it any other time. Well, you say, well, we do it. Well, <laughs> not like you do on Sundays. Man, driving to church and fighting like cats. And you say, what? that's the devil's what that is. He wants to ruin your day for the Lord. He wants to keep you out of church. He doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to come in in a bad mood. He doesn't want you to sing. He doesn't want you to worship. He wants you preoccupied, worried about every little thing. That's how the devil works. I've watched it in the invitation. We'll give an invitation, and you'll see people noticeably and visibly under conviction that's never been saved. And God's dealing with them about it, and you can tell it. And, and as soon as that happens, I mean, somebody will start bothering them, or this will happen, or their phone. I mean, who knows what it about? Every and you're thinking, wow. I like watching those daddies when they get under conviction. They'll grab the baby for mama, and they didn't help with the baby the whole time during the service. And all of a sudden, they want to help, and they want to go to the bathroom. I'll take him out. I'll take, I'll, I'll take him out. He don't even know who you are. <laughs> it's invitation time, you know. But you go to our bathroom, we got speakers in there. You better get out of the building somewhere. <laughs> Tricks on you. But you got to have the whole armor of God. That's important. We've got we to suit up every single day of our life. Because the devil's after us. He's trying to stop us. He says in verse 16, Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench 
all the fiery darts of the wicked. Man, he's shooting at you. He's trying to take you out. And there's a lot of people he's gotten out. People get out with hurt feelings. People get out with, you just can name it, whatever it might be. All kinds of different things, and it gets people out and stops them from serving God. And it shouldn't be that way, man. We ought to be in church, and we ought to be serving God is what we should be doing. But boy, the devil wants us out. He'd like to get rid of us, what he'd like to do. And so you've got to be so careful, so careful. And he says in verse 14, stand therefore. You can't stand without the armor on. You're not going to make it. You've got to stand. And there's some things we should stand for. We ought to stand for the word of God. We ought to stand for the church. We ought to stand for the family. Many things we ought to stand for. I'm for standing for our country, even if people want to tear it down. I don't make any apologies. I'm an American. I like it. We was up there at the ball game because Mary plays volleyball Monday night. And I like it because they, they play the um, Star Spangled Banner before the games. Well, for whatever reason, they was having technical difficulties. They couldn't get the thing going whatsoever. And so, I don't know, was it kids that started that? They started just doing the Pledge of Allegiance. Boy, everybody stood up, and they was looking at the flat, and all those kids, the whole gym, Pledge of Allegiance. And then when it got that over, she started trying to get it and couldn't get it. And all of a sudden, then they just started singing the national anthem. That's the worst mess you ever heard in your life. Because <laughs> you know, that's a hard song to sing. That's not easy. But you know what? It, was, it might have been a mess, but it was great at the same time because it showed that people were patriotic and that they loved their country. You didn't see one person kneeling. Everybody had their hat off. Everybody had their hand over their heart. And you can see parents teaching their kids what to do. But they're not just teaching them. They're learning that stuff at school. And say so that's a wonderful thing. And that's good. I'm for standing for things. You say, why would you stand for our country? What's that got to do with the Bible? America is about the only Christian nation left. We've got to stand for our country. So thank God for it. Stand for it. And we're living in a time where people are wanting to tear our country down. And you would have never thought that people could be in office and not love their country. But here they are. I really believe that years ago, I'm talking about when my grandparents were growing up, you had Republicans, Democrats, or Democrats, Republicans, however you want to say it. And the other side didn't like each other. But I really believe both sides loved our country. I really do believe that. And while we may not agree with one's politics or either's politics at times on certain issues, I believe they loved our country. And then they'd try to say, well, this one here, they just want to do that. And the other one saying, most time is a lie, you know. But anyway, now you see a lot of them don't even love their country. They want to change everything we've got and break our country and hurt us. And I never understood that. If you love somebody, you don't want to hurt them. But that's the mess we're in right now. All right, I don't want to get off on all that, so let me move on. How about some more truths? See, I did four last time, and I only, did, I only had two left. And so I wrote down a couple bonus truths that I think everybody ought to know from the book of Ephesians. Because we could give so much in here that could last forever, and, uh, but I'm not going to do that. But here's one that most people don't know much about. Look in verse 18. And be, uh, chapter 5, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Look at this verse. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled 
with the Spirit. What a great verse that that is. He tells you not to be drunk with wine. And then it says, wherein is excess. You say, what's that mean? The excess is in the wine. What's in the wine is the alcohol that makes you drunk. That's what it's talking about. Now, if you get a newer Bible, it changes that, and then you got a mess, and it doesn't say the same thing. And that's what happens when that starts going on. But it says, and be not drinking with wine, wherein is excess. You start drinking wine, there's alcohol in that, and it's going to make you drunk is what it's going to do. People say, well, I just like, I don't get drunk, I just like the taste of it. Yeah, and you probably smoked a joint and didn't inhale it either, right? <laughs> we don't believe that either. Good grief. The people are crazy. And then people say, well, I guess that's so. I saw if you wanted to drink a beer and you didn't, and I just like the taste of it, get one of those that don't have alcohol in it. Why do you always have to have one that has alcohol in it? You know what happens? You drink a beer, you'll drink three, or you'll drink six, or you'll drink, next thing you know, you're in a mess. That's kind of like coffee, isn't it? Everybody says, I can't believe you don't drink coffee. It doesn't taste good. You say, well, it tastes good to me. I bet it didn't the first time you tried it. You had to make yourself like that nasty stuff. <laughs> That's a, I'm not against you drinking coffee. <laughs> I'm just against me drinking it. <laughs> everybody says, well, you just don't, you got to put sugar in it, and you got to put uh, cream in it, and you got to, now they've got all these places around town, and I'm for them. I'm happy that they're there. I think that's great. But I'm not going. Everybody said, you hadn't been to the Busy Bean? I said, well, I've spent ton, tons of money there for my family, but I don't buy anything there. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for businesses in town. I think it's great. It's just not for me. Now, if they were selling ice-cold Diet Dr. Pepper, we'd have a problem on our hands. <laughs> but they're not. All right. What are those teas, everybody, the loaded tea? Those aren't really that bad. <laughs> pretty, I said, I can't even start on that. I get started that, I'll be drinking them all day. And I already have trouble with caffeine. Those have so much caffeine in it, you'd really have heart trouble real quick if you, <laughs> that was getting you. You better be careful of that. They wake you up. Um, but anyway, don't be, you know, the Bible has nothing good to say about alcohol. And alcohol has really destroyed a lot of people. It's destroyed a lot of families. Turn back to the book of Proverbs. Look in Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. Nothing wrong with coffee. Drink all you want. <laughs> I'm not old enough to drink coffee yet. Brother Herschel ain't either, are you? <laughs> See? <laughs> I'm not the only one don't drink it. I'm pretty sure I got an amen from Chris Barnes over there. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. You got to be careful with that stuff. Get deceived with it. You say, well, what if, what if so-and-so drinks? Can they come to church here? We want everybody to come to church here. The thing is, we hope you get off of it. It's what our prayer is. We, probably, we don't want you to get off of it. It's what we'd like to see. You know, some people can take a drink one time and be hooked on it. They're, they don't know it. And some people, they can drink and drink and drink and don't and not get hooked on it. It's just, I don't know why people are that way. It's just the way the Lord, I guess your body's made. 
Some people will get hooked to things others won't. But the good thing is, don't even risk it. You won't ever get hooked on something if you don't try it. Just stay away from it. I think you'd do better off just staying away from it. Then look in Proverbs 23. I thought that was Sports Center. That's not Sports. Oh, she's not, she's not got Sports Center, does she? Proverbs 23. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 29. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? Now, what it's talking about is going to be talking about alcohol. You know what alcohol do? Make your eyes bloodshot. And people want to drink their sorrow away. They get feeling bad for themselves. Verse 30. They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, like cocktails, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself awry. You say, why don't you look at it? Because if you look at it in the cup, you'll smell it, and then you'll drink it. And then look what it says in verse 32. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. That's what wine will do to you. Now, there's two kinds of wine in the Bible. Go ahead and turn to Proverbs uh, 31. There's something called new wine, and there's something called old wine, or fermented wine. You can have new wine, and it's grape juice. You ever notice that word wine, W-I-N-E? It looks a lot like vine, V-I-N-E, because it comes from a vineyard. That's why, that's why the word's spelled like that. People don't even know why it's called wine. It's because it comes from a vineyard. Wine, vine, you see that? It's so close. Anyway, um, you can, when we take the Lord's Supper, which we need to do here before long, um, you take new wine because it doesn't have any infirmities. It doesn't have any, any of those things inside of it. And so, because it represents the blood of Christ. You know, everybody says, well, Jesus drank wine. How many of you ever heard that before? Raise your hand. Can anybody show me in the Bible where it says that? You can't because it's not in there. It never says that. That's what people, people have all these sayings about things. Do you really think your Lord was a drunkard? Of course not. That's crazy. He, he's the only person to ever live and never sin. Proverbs 31. I'd be careful what I said about him. Proverbs 31, verse 4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. So it's not, leaders shouldn't be drinking it because they'll get in a problem. Next thing you know, they'll have a girl in their car and they'll run off into the river and she'll drown and then they'll still be senator. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I don't even know. I think that happened, did it? All right, verse 6. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Give strong drink unto him. The Lord was on the cross, and when he was suffering, they offered him some wine, and he refused it. He said, no, don't want it. No, thank you. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish. One time we was out when uh, Brother Randy and Brother Jerry was here, and we were gone somewhere. And we was, we, I think we'd been at a funeral or something up in the hills, and we was coming back through the back way from Tuckerman. We was at Cord, and there was a guy hitchhiking. And um, I was driving. I said, let's pick him up. And I said, you think so? I go, yeah. I said, put him back here in the back with Brother Jerry. I said, if he tries anything, you take him out now. And, of course, he'd like to take him out just for the fun of it. And uh, he got in there, and he's about half lit. 
And we got witnessing to him, talking to him. I said, where do you want us to take you? He said, take me down there to that liquor store. I said, man, we can't do that. I said, we're three Baptist preachers. I ain't dropping you in a liquor store. I said, I mean, I realize people do that, but I'm a Baptist preacher. I can't, I can't be part of that. I said, you know, I said, are you ready to die? He goes, oh, what, what do you mean? Man, he started getting nervous, and I thought about reaching over there and locking the doors. You know? <laughs> anyway, I didn't do that. And I said, are you ready to die? He goes, oh, well, no. I said, well, the Bible gives strong drink unto them that are ready to perish. I said, if you're wanting to go get some more drink, I said, you better be ready to die is what it says. Crazy stuff happens like that. That's what it says. Give strong drink unto him that's ready to perish, you that's ready to die. And wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. And so you got to stay away and watch out for that stuff. And so the Lord says this, be not drunk with wine where is in excess. But instead of being drunk with wine, we ought to be filled with the Spirit. Did you ever notice that a drunk and a Spirit-filled person have a lot of similarities? You say, what? <laughs> I know that's what you're thinking. You take a drunk. You know what a drunk will do? They'll do things... They wouldn't normally do when they're sober. Would you agree with that? Well, you know what? A saved person, when they really get on fire for the Lord, they'll do things that they wouldn't have once done. A drunk gets boldness when they probably shouldn't have it, and a spirit-filled Christian get boldness. See, if you're living right and doing right and getting church and start reading your Bible and praying and studying, you'll start witnessing to people. That's the kind of stuff you'll do. You take a, a, a drunk, all they want to do is talk. They're so talkative. I mean, you can take a quiet person, you get them drinking, and they'll start talking and rattling and carrying on. You get a person that loves the Lord, they'll start talking. There's a lot of things. You take a drink, a lot of drunks are friendly. They're just as friendly as they can be. And, and um, man, they'll come up, oh, give me a hug. Well, you know what? That's how a Christian is. A Christian ought to be a friendly person. should be the same way. I'll tell you something else. A drunk's usually willing to fight. They're not very good at it because they're not sober. <laughs> but they're usually willing to fight. And you see people getting fights when they're drunk and they probably shouldn't have and then they get hurt. Well, you know what? A spirit-filled Christian's willing to fight. But not a fist fight, just standing up for the things that are right. So there's a lot of similarities out there, a whole lot of them. Uh, and a, a drunk will make a fool of himself. Well, so will a spirit-filled Christian. We come in here and... And boy, the, somebody gets a preaching. We'll have Brother Mark McGahee on that Sunday morning. He's got the best preaching voice of anybody I know. And he'll get up there and he'll say, it's good to be saved. And somebody will go, well, hey, man. And people say, I can't believe he said that out loud. Well, if you love the Lord, you don't mind saying that. Who cares what anybody thinks about you? Make a fool of yourself is what you do. I mean, if you, I feel like I've made a fool of myself plenty of times for the world. I've done some dumb things. And I'm pretty sure you have too. So if we make a fool of ourselves for the Lord, we, or for the world, we might as well make a fool of ourselves for the Lord. What do you care what anybody thinks? Well, down there at Gethsemane, they just they, they go down there and they'll raise a hand, not even have a question. That's all right. I'd rather be in a living church than a dead church any day of the week. Some of these places, they, I mean, they're better. They're more like funeral homes than they are churches. You know, man, we ought to come together and have a good time. And I've always said we come together. You may not have a good time, but I'm going to have a good time. I just made up my mind. I'm going to have fun when I'm at church. Church is fun to me. I enjoy it. And you know what I like? I like little kids that come out and they say, we like this church. And that's the way it's supposed to be. You get a lot of these songs. I've had people before. We sang hymns. 
That's what I like. And I think, I think, I think it's the best you can do. I really, you read the messages and those things, they're so good. But a lot of churches sing them and they're just dead. I've had people say, are you contemporary or traditional? I go, neither. Neither. You got to be one. I said, we're not either. I said, we're just old-fashioned, hot, and juicy. Is what we are. I said, we just like to have a good time is what we like to have. Because I've had people say, well, oh, y'all sing hymns. It must be boring. You've never been to our church. Come in a revival meeting and tell me how boring it is. We'd scare other churches to death around here. I've had Pentecostals come in here and go, look shell-shocked. Like, what in the world? But we're Baptists. <laughs> I've always said we're for people. We don't mind you jumping pews at our church, but we have two rules. Number one, you've got to be able to clear it. Number two, you better be speaking English when you come down. <laughs> but none of us can clear them, so we don't jump them. So <laughs> I'm just joking, okay? That's a good joke. All right. That's some truths from the book of Ephesians. So don't, we don't need to be getting drunk and drinking. What we ought to do is be living for the Lord is what we ought to do. People say, oh, it's not that big a deal. It ain't. But I, it's funny. When I see people, I was in Jonesboro one day. And I went into a place over there. It's been, I don't know how long ago. It's been some time ago. Not this year. But anyway, one year I was over there, and I saw some people from Walnut Ridge in there, and they both had a beer in their hands. And when they saw me, they just turned. I thought, man, if I was going to drink it, I wouldn't care who was watching me, would you? But you know what it told me? It told me they knew they was doing wrong. They was embarrassed. They wouldn't have turned if they didn't think they was doing wrong. You ever see somebody get a picture made, and they got a beer in their hand, they put it behind their back or what? Why do you do that? Because deep down they know something ain't right about that. That's what they do. Just getting, getting, you get on the spirit of the Lord, you won't want any of that stuff. All right, questions or comments tonight?